Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Praise God. Thank God for His holy written word. We're talking about the doctrine of baptisms this morning. And there are two ordinances that given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ Himself in the church. If you need a non, uh, some of the um, notes, just kindly raise your hand. We'll get them to you. But the first ordinance we know is the Lord's Supper, and we thank God for that. But also the second one is water baptism. Think about that. Of all that He's done for us, He asks us to do two certain things. Number one, celebrate His Supper to remind ourselves of His death, burial, resurrection, and so on. But then also to be baptized in water is also important as far as He is concerned as well. So, in short, we can actually say that water baptism is an outward act of an inward reality. So, for those of you being baptized this morning, listen carefully. It's an outward act of an inward reality. The inward reality is you've been born again. You've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. You're an heir of God, a joiner with Jesus. You're a son or a daughter of the Most High God. The outward act is water baptism. You are confessing him before men and letting everybody know that you've had a change on the inside and you're now a child of God and you're dedicated to serving him all the days of your life. So it's an outward act of an inward reality. Now in the book of Hebrews chapter 6 verses 1 and 2 we have a revelation of the six fundamental principles of the doctrine of Christ and we're going to put them up there for you. Therefore, leaving the, first, the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of, number one, repentance from dead works, number two, faith toward God, number three, doctrine of baptisms, notice it's plural, not singular, baptisms, and laying on of hands, and also the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. Those are the six fundamental principles of the doctrine of Christ that we are to understand, know, participate in, but also go on to perfection after that. So these are foundational stones, you could say, in our lives as a Christian. These are the things we should believe. But notice the third one is the doctrine of baptisms, plural. Baptism. And there are three, at least, with which we need to be familiar. Number one, we understand it's important that we know that the first and main baptism is the baptism by the Spirit into the body of Christ. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. There are three baptisms. And there are three baptizers. And that's how we distinguish them. We know that there are three baptisms and three baptizers. So it says, for by one spirit, who's the baptizer? The spirit, are we all baptized into one body? Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. So who's the baptizer? The Holy Ghost is. And it's the baptism where? Into the body of Christ. In other words, that's salvation. That's when you're born again. That's when you become a child of God. Then there's number two, water baptism. And the baptizer is either the disciples, as the disciples were told to go baptize, but also the ministers. Look at Matthew 28, verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, or make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. So water baptism has a baptizer, and that's the minister or the disciples that can baptize. Number three, there is the baptism in the Holy Spirit or with the Holy Spirit. Look at Matthew 3 and verse 11. 
I indeed baptize you with water. This is John the Baptist speaking under repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you. Who's the baptizer? Jesus. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. If you've been baptized in the body of Christ, that's a wonderful thing. If you've been baptized in water, that's an act of obedience. But I'm telling you right now, that's not enough. The third one is being baptized with Holy Ghost fire. Praise God. I'm telling you, when you get that Holy Ghost fire, it'd be hard for you to sit there. I'm telling you, praise God. But the baptizer is Jesus himself who baptizes us with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Uh, as a matter of fact, when I'm not going to go through all these uh, other verses that are there for this one reason. I listed them there for, for you to see and know that this baptism with Holy Ghost fire is recorded in all four Gospels. Not, there are not too many events recorded in all four Gospels. But this here baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire is so important to God that it's listed and written in all four Gospels. Now, these three baptisms were preached throughout all the entirety of the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 2, when Peter got done preaching his sermon on the day of Pentecost, he preached, number one, repent. In Acts 2, 38 and 39, repent. That's being born again to the family of God. Get baptized in water, number two. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, number three. So you see all three baptisms preached there and experienced by the people. In Acts chapter 8, Philip goes down to the city of Samaria. He preaches Christ there. Number one, the people believed that salvation. They got saved, born again, washed in the blood of the Lamb. Number two, they got him baptized in water, water baptism. Number three, they sent for Peter and John who came down and prayed for them. Why? That they might be filled with the Holy Ghost. All three baptisms. Then you go to Acts chapter 9 and Saul of Tarsus. Remember Saul of Tarsus who became Paul the Apostle who wrote more than half the New Testament? What did he do? He saw Jesus on the Damascus Road. You think he got born again at that time? You know he did. But then he was, Ananias was sent to do what? To go and lay hands on him, get him baptized in water, and for him to receive the Holy Ghost. So, number one, he got saved, repented, got born again. Number two, he got baptized in water. And number three, he got filled with the Holy Ghost, which we know that's true because he made it very clear that he was filled with the Holy Ghost and power. But then you go to Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 10, we have another scenario, a little bit different mix. And why? Because the Jews didn't know the Gentiles could get saved. This is almost 10 years after Pentecost. And the Jews didn't know the Gentiles could be saved and salvation was for the Gentiles also. So Peter is sent there supernaturally to go to Cornelius' house and he's going to, he's going to go there and preach the gospel. While he's preaching the gospel, the Holy Ghost falls on them. They get born again and they get filled with the Holy Ghost. But then they get baptized in water. Now why is that? Why was that changed right there? I'll tell you exactly why. Because the Jews didn't know that they could be saved and for them... They had to ha have this understanding. And so when God took over the whole situation, they got born again as Peter was preaching. They got filled with the Holy Ghost as they did on the day of Pentecost, Peter said. And then Peter said, now who can forbid water that these, two, that these also should not be baptized as we were, seeing that they got the Holy Ghost like we did on the day of Pentecost. You see what God did? He made them convinced that this is for all people groups of the world so imagine that that's why he reversed the whole order of things so that they would be convinced and of course they were and they, Peter got taken into question for the whole situation but he told them look this is what happened so they didn't argue with them anymore then you go to Acts chapter 19 which is almost 20 to 25 years after Pentecost and what is Paul doing passing through the upper coast of Ephesus and what does he see he sees some people and he says hey have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed they, they said we never heard whether there be a Holy Ghost really no, never heard that. Well, what baptism were you baptized unto? And what did they say? 
John's baptism. He baptized you into waters of repentance, but he said you've got to believe on the one that would come after him. And when they heard that, they accepted Christ. They were baptized in the body of Christ. They were baptized in water. Then, P then Paul laid his hands on them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. So we have three baptisms preached and experienced throughout the entirety of the book of Acts. So you know what? That's foundational. So the doctrine of baptisms is you get baptized in the body of Christ, you get baptized in water, you get baptized with Holy Ghost fire. And you know what? Why would you only want two-thirds of it? You know in the mainline churches, they only, they only preach one-third of it. They think if you're baptized in water, you're saved, but nothing could be further from the truth. Look, you don't become a Christian because you're baptized in water. You get baptized in water because you have become a Christian. It's just the reverse of that. So, just to make that very clear. Okay, significance of water baptism. Number one. Water baptism is, number one, an act of obedience on the part of the child of God. I'm obeying God. He gave a command and said to baptize all of us to get baptized in water. You might think, I've been baptized in water as a baby. You're going to find out when you read these, that's not even biblical. It's not biblical whatsoever. How can a baby obey a command? It's impossible for a baby to obey a command. Number two, it's following the example of our Lord. Look at Matthew chapter 3. Jesus himself was 30 years old when he got baptized in water. Babies back then were dedicated or taken to the temple. They were circumcised, which means they were acknowledged as a part of the Abrahamic covenant but and the Mosaic law, but they were not baptized in water. Okay, so here we have the example of our Lord. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan to John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, Have I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said to him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Okay, let's look at these three things right here. Is Jesus the Son of God? Yes, he is. You can say he, didn't, he had no need to be born again, did he? Because he was the Son of God. But number two, did he get baptized in water? <clears throat> Absolutely. Out of what? obedience to fulfill all righteousness. Isn't that what he said? Absolutely. And number three, did he get filled or baptized with the Holy Ghost? Absolutely he did. The Spirit of God descended like a dove and landed upon him and he was filled with the Holy Ghost. Did not do one miracle until he got filled with Holy Ghost power. So we see three, all three manifested also in the life of Jesus. Can I ask us all a simple question to answer? Anybody here today better than Jesus? Anyone? So when people say, well, I don't need to get baptized in water. I don't need to get filled with the Holy Ghost. Really? What statement are we making? Born again, baptized into the body of Christ. Baptized in water as an act of obedience. Baptized with Holy Ghost fire. Because we need the Holy Ghost just as Jesus did and anybody else. Number three. It's a public demonstration of our faith in Christ. And look at Acts chapter 8. And this is the eunuch. There's a beautiful thing to consider here as we read these verses. This eunuch is traveling. And apparently he has a heart for God. He really wants to know God. You know what people need today? Is a desire to know God. 
I mean experience God. Walk with God. Have a revelation of God and of the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Well, as they went on their way, they came to a certain water and the eunuch said, now wait a minute, who's he speaking to? Philip was sent to this man. God was so concerned about this eunuch because this eunuch had a heart to know him that he sent Philip to go and meet him along the way and answer his question as he was reading the Old Testament scriptures. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And, the Philip, and Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, Another question, can a baby believe with all his or her heart? Can a parent believe for a baby? No. Can a parent drink for a baby, eat for a baby, sleep for a baby? Oh, you wish you could. Sometimes. No, you can't. That baby needs to get to a place of accountability at an age when they can know they have to make a decision for Christ. Then when you do, you get baptized in water. Okay? So he says, what hinders me? He said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And Philip said, if, if thou believest, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Boom, salvation right there. Before he ever dipped into the water, he got born again right there when he said that. Why? Because when you confess with your mouth the Lordship of Jesus, thou shalt be saved. He was instantly saved. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went both down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And the next verse says, and after he did, Philip was caught away and translocated to another place. God answered this man's heartfelt prayer to know him by sending Philip along the path of his life to tell him about Jesus so he could be born again, got him baptized in water, and boom, he took off. Can you imagine? Uh, that was refreshing. Philip, <laughs> can you imagine that? Now, it doesn't say it. I think he must have got filled with the Holy Ghost right then. <laughs> Praise God. Number four. It symbolizes the death, burial, resurrection and this, and of Christ and also our identification with him. Okay. Look in the book of Romans. In chapter six. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing that this, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Notice what Paul's saying here. If you've accepted Christ as your Savior and you've been baptized in water, Holy Ghost as well, you're dead to sin. You're crucified with Christ. You identify with his death, his crucifixion, his death, his burial, 
His being made alive, his resurrection, his ascension, his seating at the right hand of the majesty on high. So in other words, we're dead and our lives are hid with Christ in God. So we're dead to sin. We're dead to our self-centeredness, our self-serving. We're dead to selfishness. We're dead to anything as far as we want in life. We're alive to Christ, to live for Christ. So for you candidates, listen carefully. You're making a statement to the world. Yes, to all the people that are here, but also to the unseen realm of darkness and also the unseen realm of eternal glory. What you're stating today is this. I am not just going to heaven. I'm not just saved because my sins are forgiven. As far as I'm concerned, I am dead to myself, to my self-centeredness, to being controlled by this world, by the impulses of the flesh and emotions that are unsaved. I am going under that water dead to self. And when I come up, I'm coming up in a blaze alive to Christ. So that I live to righteousness because sin has no dominion over me. Remember 1 Peter 2.24 says, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. That we being dead to sin. Say with me, I'm dead to sin. You know what that means? I am dead to someone hurting me, someone criticizing me, someone mocking me, someone making fun of me. I'm dead to the suggestions and thoughts of the enemy that says, you're no longer, you're not good. God doesn't care about you. Look at Jesus loves you so much. He paid the penalty for your sin. He became sin on that tree for you so that you and I being dead to sin should live, how? Under righteousness. In other words, we live in right standing with God. We live filled with the life of God, the glory of God, the power of God. We're not serving self we're serving him praise God and we're honoring him with our lives you're empowered by his spirit to walk the walk that he's called us all to walk it takes us back beyond the fall of man it identifies us with the living God it restores and renews our fellowship and relationship with the living God we can walk with him as Adam did in the cool of the day we can get his heart his mind his thoughts all found right there in the word of God and you know what you govern your life by what God says so when you come up out of that water praise God the heavens are going to open unto you and there's going to be an impartation from above on high praise God that's going to absolutely touch your heart and life in a powerful way number five it's a symbol of cleansing from sin a symbol of cleansing from sin in the book of Acts 22 and verse 16 look what it says and now why tarriest thou arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins calling on the name of the Lord so there is a cleansing. No matter who you are right here, right now, today, you know what? You've been cleansed. If you've been born again, washed in the blood of the Lamb, you are cleansed from all sin. God does not see you as a sinner. He sees you as a son or a daughter, and He sees you righteous and holy, and guess what? You had nothing to do with it except for accepting the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You've already arrived. You've already been accepted. You're the righteousness of God. You're an ambassador for Christ. Number six, it demonstrates faith. In the works of Christ and not myself. In Ephesians we are told 2 and verse 8. You should know the verse well. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourself is the gift of God not of works that any man should boast. So in other words water baptism can't save you because that's something that you're doing. But you're doing that as an act of obedience not as an act to get saved. You got saved when you put your faith and trust in the finished work of Christ upon Calvary's cross. And there's nothing that you can do possibly to save yourself. And that's why you're going in that water. 
You know, it's an outward act of an inward reality. I've been saved because of what he did. It's not based on my performance. So guess what? There's no guilt to you. There's no condemnation to you. There is nothing in your life that can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus, your Lord. So if you woke up this morning and you looked in the mirror and said, I'm not a very good Christian, stop right there. Do not put yourself down. Do, you, do not call on holy what God made holy. God made you holy. God made you righteous in Christ. God gave you a brand new life. He gave you a brand new heart. A brand new impetus to serve him from the heart. He's made you perfect in his sight. By the blood of Jesus Christ. Your consciousness is cleansed from all sin. You know where the, all that stuff's coming from? From the enemy to make you think that you can't live up to the standard of God. Well guess what? Jesus lived up to the standard of the Father and Jesus paid the price for you and because of him, praise God, you are cleansed, you are made whole, you are delivered, you are forgiven, you are set free, you are empowered from on high, you've been redeemed from the powers of darkness and you're in the kingdom of light right now. All you got to do is put your faith on and let your light shine, take off the bushel that's on your head. Don't let, don't let your light hide under a bushel. Start by faith saying, I'm, I'm a, I've arrived, I'm there. I'm cleansed, I'm healed, I'm whole, I'm set free, I'm delivered. I'm dead to sin, alive to righteousness. Okay, number seven, or seven. Symbolizes our entrance into the body of Christ. We just said that in 1 Corinthians 12, 13. By one spirit, we're baptized into the body of Christ. You are a member of the body of Christ by your faith in Christ Jesus, your Lord, period. And then, last one, number eight, lastly. We... Get baptized, and it's a one-time act that reminds us that we are the disciples of Christ. There's a difference between a disciple and a believer. We're not believing just to get to heaven. That's great. We want to get there. But a disciple is one who continues in his word. He says, you're my disciple. Indeed, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Do you know what makes us free? Is knowing the truth. You can come up for prayer and be delivered for a moment there for a while, but I'm telling you something right now. Until we, you and I get the truth, we're not going to stay free. But when we get the truth and we know the truth, something holding you back, something holding you in captivity or bondage, get into the truth. The truth is, he's already made provision for you to have your success, to have your victory, to overcome in this life. And you by faith, you say that, you declare that, you decree that, I've been set free, I've been made whole. Is something holding you in captivity and bondage? Is some, is some fear? Just think about this. Jesus tells us not to worry and fear. And what's the first thing people do when something happens? They're afraid and they worry. Right? But what did Jesus say to do? Don't worry. Don't even think about your life, what you're going to eat, drink, what you're going to wear, what you're going to put on. Take no thought for your life. And what about this? Don't be afraid. Fear not. Right? Why? What does that show us? We've got a lot to let go of. You know, when you put, when you're in fear and worry, when we're, and all of us, myself included, well, guess what? That means we're looking to ourselves. But you know what? When you look to him, fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I'm your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, whom shall I be afraid? Take no thought for your life. Praise God. Two verses. John's Gospel. Look at this verse in John's Gospel, 15, verse 13. This is what it's all about. Greater love is no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Is there any greater love than that? The Bible says that God is resting in his love over us. You know what that means? You and I are so loved, it's beyond our comprehension. Amen. For someone to say, I don't really know if God loves me, stop right there. You're playing into the mindset of the enemy. You're listening to the lies of the devil. 
His love for you and for me is not based on our circumstances that we experience in this life. His love for you and for me is based on the fact that he went to the cross where he suffered and died for us. He exhausted his love. God's love was brought to its completed fullness when Jesus took his last breath on Calvary's cross and suffered the wrath of God for us. Greater love, God doesn't, he has no more love than that. And so he commended his love toward us while we were sinners. He introduced it to us, right? He introduced his love while we were sinners. How much more, how much more does he save us in daily life? We make a mistake, I'm loved. Thank you, Father, for forgiving me and cleansing me from all unrighteousness by the blood of the Lamb. Look at John chapter 14 and verse 21. We'll close here. And I said that to say this. He that hath my commandments and keepeth him, he it is that loves me. He that loves me shall be loved my Father. I will love him and manifest myself to him. You know what that's saying? He poured himself out to death to show his love for every single one of us. If we love him, we're not satisfied with just making heaven. We're not satisfied with just being forgiven. We want to honor him every day of our lives and live the fullness of of life that we possibly can knowing that we're loved by God and we're loving him back by being obedient to do his will I'm surrendered to you